Welcome to Eye to Eye, the podcast of the Royal College of Ophthalmologists. My name is Sunil Mamtora, and I will be your host. Today, I'm speaking with Mr. Saurabh Jain, a consultant ophthalmologist who works at the Royal Free Hospital in London. Saurabh, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about a really important and actually very topical issue, which is BAME, Black and Asian Minority Ethnic Doctors in the UK in medicine, but more specifically in ophthalmology. The first thing I wanted to really ask you on behalf of the listeners is if you could tell us a bit about your own personal background and um, your background before you came to the UK and your experience of when you came to the UK. Hi Sunil, thank you so much for inviting me to talk about this topic and to the college for considering it for a podcast. So like a lot of first generation medics, I did my primary degree outside the UK, in my case in New Delhi in India. Once I'd completed my medical degree and my ophthalmology training, I sought to further the experience I had by coming to the UK. There are a few reasons for this. I think the first is the connection between the UK and India that goes back so many hundreds of years. It's the fact that uh, we speak the same language. It's the fact that uh, the medical systems are quite alike, especially when it comes to education. And also because British degrees are very highly valued in India. That's the reason I elected to come to, the, come to this country. I came in 2001 and it was a very different scenario then. You had to apply for each job separately to each uh, hospital. They came, the jobs came out as and when they came out, so there was no national recruitment. And um, it, was, it, was a, it was a different landscape. And I'm glad to have seen things change over the time I've been practicing within ophthalmology. Where did you do your training in the UK? So my first, so it's interesting, when I first started, I remember I sent 250 applications and I got one job interview and that was at Bibbs Cross Hospital. Uh, so that's where I started. I was very lucky to get the job I I'd applied for and I started my training in London, moving from North to South London to Kings and St. Thomas's. I did my higher surgical training in Leicester. I did my first fellowship in Manchester and then I got my consultant post back in London. So I've come full circle back to London. Mm. Did you think you always wanted to stay in London? So when I first came to the UK, I immediately felt at home in London. I think it's because I grew up in a very big, bustling, chaotic city, Delhi, and London to me felt very similar. Uh, I very much enjoyed my time in Leicester and in Manchester, but for me, London always felt like home. Also, my other half is from London, and I knew eventually I'd have to make a home somewhere. So for all those reasons, I think I'm back back full circle to London. Yeah, of course. It's really interesting that you just mentioned that you sent 250 applications and ended up with one job interview. Firstly, I didn't even realise that there were 250 I units in the UK. And secondly, it sounds as though in the era that you came to the UK, what, probably 20 years or so ago, that it was really difficult to get a job in ophthalmology. For anyone, especially someone coming from abroad. See, I think jobs in ophthalmology have always been competitive. They were then and they are now. It's just the nature of competition has changed. Um, so the 250 applications, some of them were to the same unit who would advertise more than once. So this happened over six months or so. So it was a long drawn out process. And, you know, looking back, one of the things was I was from a different country. I had a CV that wasn't tailored uh, to a British 
British eye. So it would be quite hard, I think, for people to be able to correlate my experiences with what they needed. So I, I could quite understand, you know, why it was so difficult. And I'm sure if somebody from here went to another country, they would face the same, face the same issues. So, you know, so it's always been difficult to get, with, get into ophthalmology. And I'm, I don't think that has changed. Do you think that you've ever been a victim of discrimination because of your background, race, or you know, where you've done your primary training? So luckily, not. I was very fortunate. I worked in large cosmopolitan cities such as London and Manchester and in Leicester, which is the most diverse city in the UK. So apart from a few stray comments here and there, I don't think I've ever faced discrimination because of my race. Because of my background, maybe yes, because as I just said, it was quite difficult to get my first job. But again, I think it was more because of the fact that my primary degree was in a a country that was not the UK rather than because of direct discrimination because of my ethnicity. Just reflecting on what you've said already in terms of the, the way in which you applied for the job, the number of applications that you needed to make and that whole process in general, I think it makes me really grateful as a trainee when I think back to the process that I went through when applying for ophthalmology national recruitment it was relatively straightforward you just went everybody goes to one centre and you feel that you're being treated in a really objective way and that you're only being graded on your actual performance, almost like a medical school OSCE examination, rather than other factors coming into play, like who you know or where you've come from. I couldn't agree with you more. That was the one thing that I think completely changed uh, recruitment within ophthalmology. I think the national recruitment is a significant step forward. As you say, it is objective, it is transparent. You go through multiple examiners or interviewers so just like an OSCE and we end up with a excellent cohort of trainees year after year. I'm the training program director for ophthalmology in North London so I see the new doctors coming through and I have to say the process works and it works very well. It is still very competitive but this is I think why we get the, the best people within ophthalmology. As, as the training pro program director yourself you might not be aware but do you know, you know how in ophthalmology the demographic spread is, you know, what proportion of consultants or trainees in the UK are BAME versus non-BAME? So it's interesting. So when I started within ophthalmology and I imagine, and I remember looking around me and every single consultant in the department I could see was white, whereas a lot of the middle grade doctors were not. And that did give me a lot of apprehension, I have to be honest, as a young ophthalmologist starting out as to what the future will be. And I'm really pleased to see how things have changed over the past few years. So in the most recent census of the Royal College members, 41% identified themselves as white, whereas 29% were Asian and 5% Middle Eastern. So we have a really diverse uh, workforce. And this is reflected quite accurately in the makeup of the Royal College Council. What is even more interesting is when you look at them, look at these numbers in relation to trainees versus consultants. So whereas only about 30% of consultants identified themselves as being um, of BAME, uh, BAME origin, 65% of trainees do. So that is a significant difference. And I think, and there's something anecdotally I think we're all aware of. You've described that there's a huge number of BAME trainees Still a large number of BAME consultants, but a significantly larger number of trainees compared to consultants. Why do you think there's such a big difference? I think for a number of reasons. I think firstly, a lot of these people are second and third generation 
Bain people. These are the, the children of, uh, of, uh, of immigrants who've been, who are British, who've been through the British system, and therefore they are equal standing with everyone else when it comes to competition for, for these posts. And the second thing, as, as we discussed before, I think there is more equality of opportunity. There's a more transparent, a more robust recruitment process. And I think both of these things ensure that we, we, can, we can take in people commensurate with their abilities, not affected by their ethnicity. I do definitely agree with what you're saying and I actually relate actually in some ways to what you're saying as well. As you know, the child of parents who both immigrated to the UK from Africa, I, I can definitely agree with what what you're saying there. Do you think that we're unique in this situation in the UK compared to the rest of the Western world, more specifically in Europe? Or do you think that the spread of BAME doctors and the proportion of Asian doctors is similar across Western Europe? I think the reason why there's such a large number of BAME doctors in the UK is because of UK's colonial past, because of the Commonwealth, and also because of the excellence of uh, the training provided in the UK. As someone who has been interested in training for a long time and as someone who has had the privilege to be trained in two different systems and um, and uh, examined by the European Board of Ophthalmology and having many, many American friends, I, I can confidently say that British training is one of the best in the world. Uh, and I think this is one of the reasons why it draws so many uh, people from the Commonwealth to come and train here. The other thing, as I said before, is the value of the British degrees, the FRCS, now the FRCOF, that are recognised worldwide. And there's another thing that I think draws people to us, and that's why I think the UK is a bit unique within Europe. Talking about the topic that we are talking about all the time, which is COVID-19, how do you think the COVID-19 crisis, the COVID-19 pandemic, has affected the perception of immigrant doctors in ophthalmology and also medicine? I think the pandemic has affected the public's perception of all immigrants, not just immigrant healthcare workers or immigrant doctors. I live in London, which was hit very hard, very early on in the pandemic. And when the city locked down, people became aware that the people who were keeping the city running, those that were driving their buses, who were driving the tubes, who were cleaning the city, who were serving them in the grocery stores, a large proportion of them were BAME. They also saw that number of healthcare workers in the in the UK who started to get affected by COVID and unfortunately lose their lives. And there was significant difference between the mortality rates between BAME doctors or BAME healthcare workers and, and non-BAME healthcare workers, something that we're still struggling to understand. So I'm hoping people began to understand that the immigrant community, both first and second and third generation, are contributing a lot to the country. And I hope that's the one good thing that will come out of this pandemic. The college is doing so much. You know, there's been so many recommendations recently about what hospitals the NHS should be doing to improve equality and diversity amongst hospitals and recognising the contribution that BAME healthcare workers have made, as well as acknowledging the potentially higher risk that these individuals are facing because of presumably predisposing genetic factors. But as as the training programme director, somebody who's so intricately involved with the training and as the clinical lead for the Royal Free Hospital, as well as having an active role in the college, you know, what other measures have been happening now, as well as in recent years, to make sure that all doctors are treated fairly and equally? So that's a very good question. So one of the most recent measures has been a risk assessment exercise. So all 
pain doctors and in fact in my hospital all doctors have to undergo risk assessment when they come back to work uh, following the uh, lockdown to see how how they can best be uh, located within the hospital what duties they can perform and in to assess that ethnicity is is quite an important factor as is the age and other comorbidities and i think uh, that is something that is here to stay really and we have to make sure that people have um people have adequate protection when they go go into our hospitals i think we are very lucky that our training uh that because of, of our training processes being a lot more robust we have a much more diverse group of trainees and i think the system that have been put in place by the college things like a more uh transparent recruitment program also a very careful monitoring of the exams uh we make uh, you might be aware a few years ago of a controversy that affected one of the other royal colleges where it was seen that people of of uh particular ethnicity were more likely to fail the exam in spite of the of the country of primary qualification now the royal college of ophthalmology we have taken a, a, a very hard look at this and we monitor the results very closely and we do not see this differential at all so and i'm very proud of that that we are a college that are very diverse and are able to to champion this diversity and make sure that nobody is disadvantaged because of it I feel as though in the UK, lots of active steps are being taken, particularly by our college. But clearly, there's still some issues affecting healthcare workers. What would you say the most important thing or the single most important thing that needs to change or still needs to happen to improve equality and diversity in the UK for these workers? I think the one thing that needs to change and the thing that is probably one of the most difficult to change is the public's perception of of immigrants in general and immigrant health workers in particular uh, unfortunately we do have a very right wing press and there was headline after headline during the brexit referendum highlighting how immigrants take from the system how they are here to take your jobs how they are here to take your benefits and unfortunately this does color the public's perception i'm hoping this pandemic was the first step in take in asking people just to take a a hard look at uh, society in general and maybe be able to look beyond people ethnicity and look at the contribution that they provide to society in general and to healthcare in particular so i think that's the most important thing that will change and i think it is changing so rob i have just one last question if that's okay and you know during the course of this interview i've learned quite a bit about you and we've established so far that you're you're the training program director for North London you're the clinical lead for the Royal Free Hospital as well as balancing being a full-time consultant ophthalmologist my question to you would be what has motivated you to take all these demanding roles and how do you manage your time to balance all these things i think that is is one of those things um i i think it's very interesting you 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 say that because there is a bit of an asian work ethic and there there is a there sort of a need to prove yourself and i think a lot of asian doctors feel that and maybe that is one thing that has driven me to uh, try and seek out the best opportunities because when you are an immigrant when you come from somewhere else you have to you have to start at a much uh, faster level than than others because of course you are in a in a foreign system uh for as far as uh partitioning works is is concerned that for me 
is always been up, uh, about compartmentalization and of keeping different things uh, different. The thing that affects me the most, the thing that interests me the most is training because I was very lucky to have fantastic trainers throughout my uh, uh, throughout my time as an SHO and a registrar and then as a fellow and I hope I can give some of that back and make training better for our trainees. I think we are very fortunate. We have a very competitive process that, that gives us the best, brightest young minds. And then it is our duty as trainers to give them the best training we can. And that's something that really drives me. And I hope that's something we've been able to improve in London and hopefully in the rest of the country as well. And would you have any specific advice for immigrant doctors coming to the UK to work in ophthalmology? I think it is very difficult now, to be absolutely honest, to be an immigrant doctor, to be able to come in and then make a career within ophthalmology, the way ophthalmology is structured. The best way to do that is to do your foundation years here. The college is trying to change that and there will be another entry point within training which will get ST3, which anybody can apply for, but I appreciate it's a, it's a lot harder than it used to be. But there's a piece of advice that one of my bosses gave me and that's true for just for not just for a doctor, for everybody. And I remember him saying to me, always do a bit more than what's expected of you and you'll always be fine. And I think that is so true. And I say this to all the trainees every August, you know, try to do a little bit more for the department than that's expected of you. And you'll always be remembered and always be sought after. Well, Saurabh, thank you so much for your time today. I've really enjoyed talking to you and it's been really insightful. Thank you very much for the opportunity. It was fantastic to speak to you. As always, we'd love to hear from you. If you want to get involved, talk about your work or have any feedback, send us a message at communications at rcops.ac.uk.